Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out MortgageCS.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me as always, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. Chuck, we got a lot to talk about today. There's some newsy stuff actually going on with the Flyers. As, as usual. Yeah. It's <laughs> you know, for a team that hasn't been like relevant in a decade, it never ends. No. <laughs> I, I actually I want to ask like other beat writers, because I don't know if there's a way to actually to compare this, like beat writers of other hockey teams, if I am crazy for thinking that the Flyers do more shit than any other team it's, because i feel like they do especially considering like what was their last big free agent signing yeah. like jvr like their biggest trade was ryan ellis i mean these are like good players but we're not talking about fucking eric lindros yeah. here <laughs> it just feels like the flyers are one of the most like they're they're constantly involved stuff. in things, things both good things and bad things but it's constantly involved in things and this week was a perfect example of the fact that for some reason the flyers just are constantly involved in things i gotta again, tell you not always good things but it's no. always something it's I, always something with the flyers today it's a good something i gotta tell you though charlie um I always figured I this show would end because someone said something real dumb. I just assumed it would be me. Mm-hmm. Your take on these black jerseys, my I man. I hold to it. I, they suck. You're going to get us canceled. Yeah, maybe. This is going to be the end for, for me because I need you. <laughs> <laughs> so I need you to really reconsider your stance on the 90s Flyers black jerseys. We're going to get all into the jersey release. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. Uh, but the thing that happened today, the, the big thing, Owen Tippett. Uh, it is reported he has signed a contract extension with this team. He was due to become a restricted free agent after the season. Eight years, $49.6 million. That's an average annual value of $6.2 uh, in terms of guys so- signed long-term. 
Coots is at 775, Sanheim, and of course, uh, Ryan Ellis at 625. Yeah, and to, uh, so to, be cl- to be clear, the Flyers have not yet reported it. it not, this is not but, official. But, but I can confirm that that is the contract. Elliot had it. I saw Kevin yeah, I, Kurz I, I, had I, it. Yeah, I've confirmed Charlie it. has yeah, confirmed yeah. it. This is, this is the contract. Uh, I'm sure there'll be an announcement at some point. The Flyers probably don't want to take any shine away from the alumni <laughs> which is i this is i i shouldn't laugh uh but it, this will come out at some point in the near future i would assume i, I would i would think maybe sometime tonight my, my maybe under, before the game my on Saturday. understanding is that a lot of it was just even though they've agreed to the framework there are still you know Okay, what are the exact details of the no trade clause? What's the deal with the signing bonuses? How exactly does the year by year structure work? It doesn't make any difference really to fans because all that really matters from a fan perspective and from a team building perspective is the cap hit and the years, and that's already been agreed to. However, for the player, it matters a lot whether you're getting $4 million one year versus $3 million versus $10 million. Those and sorts of things matter a lot to the player. All that matters to the fan from a team-building standpoint is the average annual value, which has been agreed to. It is $6.2 million a year. I would say the the signing bonus structure can be important simply because like the guys who get all their money in the signing bonus, those contracts are basically buyout That proof. is true. There is the buyout um, element, so you're there right. They just can't. They can't. This is a twenty, a not yet twenty-five year old guy signing a contract to his prime, and uh, you know we'll see. But it seems like this is this is a pretty good deal. We're gonna get into it. The thing that stuck out to me immediately, the timing. We heard the reports a week or two ago that were like, well, he's kind of betting on himself. There really haven't been talks. Um, he gets hurt. We're told it's not that serious. I tend to believe them uh putting him on ir seems to kind of be like yeah look at our roster situation right now we need to move some things around let's just not play him until after the break yeah but i do find it i don't know funny uh, but betting on himself gets hurt and he's i just picture the call yo Get Danny on the phone. Get me my fucking 50 million. I was, I was like, I was an inch of a twist away from mm. this contract being half of, or like having to wait another year to prove it. You know, it's a really Get me interesting my 50 point. million dollars. No, it's a really good point that it does something like that. An injury that I don't believe is that serious, but certainly could have been. It might just inspire a player to say, you know, maybe we shouldn't be haggling over $300,000. Like, let's just get it done. I could easily see that being part of it. Also, there's just the fact that I think the Flyers probably got scared a little bit, not by the injury and not necessarily scared. I don't know if that's really the the right word to use because they're happy to see a guy like Owen Tippett get on a hot streak and start, you know, really dominating. But if you watch, you watch that, yeah, you watch it happen and you're Danny Breer and you're like, oh God, if we wait until the end of the season, he might want $8 million. No, that was like a couple of weeks ago when he's on pace for the exact same 27 goals. It's like, oh, we're getting him for like the five and a half Joel Fat. Cool. Yeah. And then it's like, yo, if he gets to 42 because he scores every other game for the rest <laughs> of the season, he's going to bust our cap. Exactly. Like the long-term planning we had, we need, we're going into Excel, deleting everything and starting over basically. So like it, it works for both sides. I, I do yeah. think that just in terms of the 
the actual terms here, eight years, 6.2. The last few weeks we've been discussing like what this is going to look like. I said uh, I'm looking for under seven a couple weeks ago, and I was probably overshooting there. You wanted in that uh, Farabee, um, I, I was TK range. I was hoping for under, under six. six. That was what I was hoping for. I don't think this is ridiculous. I think I believe, and I went back through to listen to the, the show that we discussed it on, which I think was after the St. Louis game. It was after he had the first of the two highlight reel goals, and we spent a lot of that post game show talking about what a contract would look like. I said I felt like. I was hoping for something like five years, five or six years at 5.75 million, something like that. This is essentially that just with two more years tacked onto the back. I like the idea of kind of like just having him for his thirties and then being able to make a decision after that as to whether you want to keep him in, keep him into his thirties. That said, like if I, if I was fine with five, with five to six years over 5.75, I can't be angry at 6.2. The cap hits are relatively similar. If this is what it took to get this deal done, yeah, Danny, get it done. And now the hope is, of course, he has that second level of development we've talked about exactly. with guys like Travis Sanheim. And he's even like an out like the second level of development with Sanheim is, oh, my God, a crazy breakout year at 27. You know, it's uh, the TK breakout of, OK, we, we kind of think we know what he is to. Oh, no, he's a first line player, yeah. you know, like that next. And he's at that 25 spot now where it's if he's what he is right now, I think you paid a fair Price. Yes, I if agree with that. If he takes the step from, let's call him a 28 to 33 goal scorer, if he then goes to the 35 to 40 range, now all of a sudden you're looking, oh, well done. Yeah. This is a nice deal yeah, for the Flyers. Th this is a deal with legitimate surplus value. Yeah. This deal pays Owen Tippett like he is right now, like he is a good second line winger, which yeah. is exactly what he is right now. You might play him on your first line, but I think ideally he is a good second line winger at this point. The exciting part is the plausible upside. And there's a couple reasons why there could be plausible upside here. Number one is just you watch the guy play yeah, and you can see the flashes. This isn't a guy where you watch and you're like, yeah, he's getting the most out of his talent. You watch him and you say to yourself, man, like he's good now, but if he plays like that every night, oh man, he could be great. And that's there. Now he's a little bit older than you would like, you know, at 24 going on 25, this is around the time where guys kind of are what they are. And I am not expecting that Owen Tippett is going to take another massive leap and become a 40 goal scorer. I'm it, not, I'm not, but I can't rule it out. It would be an outlier situation. Like for a guy to take another big step at this age, that would be like a, Oh, he is the exception. Yes. You know, but, it's, but you watch, but you play see the tools and, and you go, can, yeah, there's you no reason. Exactly. There's no like internal talent that's missing for him to be able to do that. It's just, Guys reaching their potential is very difficult for a number of reasons. Injuries, coaching, role, internal motivation. Like, there's a bunch of X factors that there's no way to answer, especially right now for a contract that's going to keep him signed through 2031-32, which... He's going to be around for a while. I don't like thinking about that being... Like, that's uh, that's sci-fi book... Like, oh, and, you know, uh, open on year 2032. <laughs> That's, no, it's, it's eight years away, actually. Uh, I, I don't like thinking about that. But One thing this does very much kill. Let's just say it kills it. 
this lingering rumor that was built up largely in part because of the Kodogotie thing and then because of that one random dude on Twitter who just is clearly just dead set on basically trying to mess with everyone's head who has been screaming for the last year that every single flyers player hates being in philadelphia and they're all going to leave and they all hate torts and they're miserable and owen tippett's going to leave and travis connecty's going to leave and everyone's going to leave and then owen tippett like two weeks after contract negotiations really kicking to high gear signs an eight-year contract i'm pretty sure that is total bullshit I, uh, that's when you said the Flyers were scared. Well, maybe not scared. That's where I thought you were going, and I'm glad you brought that up because... No, it's total bullshit. It, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it it's, always has been total it bullshit. Total that, that dude on Twitter is a troll, and I, I love the <laughs> I, fact that now people have realized that he is a troll. I don't even know. I, I think I know, what, uh, but I'm just like... Maybe not the Flyers are scared that everyone wants to leave. I don't think that's, that was ever the case, but just the... We talked about last night... This has been a fucking circus for a couple of weeks. Yeah, true. Uh, with the Cutter Gauthier stuff, the Carter Hart stuff, everything that's going on around this organization. I, w- I wonder if guys are like, my contract is up soon, and what if I just went somewhere like, you know, the Florida Panthers, uh, Owen Tippett. Yeah, he wouldn't go back. <laughs> maybe not the perfect. I just mean like, dudes seem to like to go to Florida, to Dallas, where it's you know I get to play for a real good team. I don't have to pay state income tax, and uh, no one cares. I'll be left alone. Dudes do seem to love that. This is one of the U.S. markets where you aren't left alone. Yeah, you know, there's. I was scrolling through Chartable the other day, and. Uh, there's a lot of flyer shows in the top 50 of all hockey podcasts. <laughs> like, you know, people do seem to care here more so than a lot of other places. And it's been a circus just like, let's calm everything down. We now have a guy signed through 2031-32 to join a group. Like, I went through the guys who are signed here long term and I made a list. Uh, so now Owen Tippett is here the longest, 30, 30, uh, 31 32. Travis Sanheim, 20 30 31. Sean Couturier, 29 30. Uh, Farabee, 27 28. Risto, 26 27. I have to bring it up because it's funny. Ellis, baby. Maybe he makes a comeback. Uh, and that yeah, is no. the expected arrival is 26-27 for Mitchkov. You also have Jamie Drysdale. He's through 25-26, but an RFA afterwards. Yeah, these under Arison is an RFA after 25-26. Uh, Frost, Cates, York, For- Forster, all signed through just next season, but they're all RFAs at expiry. You now really start to see a core come together, and it's like all right around the time we're expecting Mitchkov to be here. I think that like kind of calms down the circus of like, well, guys are requesting trades. We don't know. Like Owen Tippett was a major piece of this thing. I know it doesn't matter as much to you. He's the Giroux trade. You needed that to be something. I realize the first round pick is a big part too, but I don't know who that is yet, so it doesn't really exist right. to me. Fair. Uh, yeah, it's not real. It's just a concept of this. Yeah, point. it's just a concept. Like you now, like I know the dudes who are gonna be here, a decent amount of them probably when Mitchkov gets here, and that's the that's the hit the ground run and let's fucking go time. I think that's important. Like just for the everyone in the organization to like we now know what the goal is we know who's gonna be here i just think that a lot of people don't you hear about it but i don't think they quite understand just how much these players on the team like each other 
Like the idea that Travis Konechny was going to rush out of Philadelphia was always bonkers to me. The guy bought a house across the street from his best friend, Travis Sanheim. <laughs> like they are, th this group is very, very tight and none of them want to leave. Owen Tippett like feels like he was a guy where when I, when I did the feature on him about a month after they traded for him, I talked to a bunch of people that he, not that he grew up with, but people who he knew well in juniors. I talked to his junior coach. I talked to, you know, other coaches that he's dealt with in the past. And the one thing that I always heard from them was that if Owen Tippett gets in an environment where he feels like he belongs and he feels like he is accepted for who he is, for the personality that he has, because he is a he is a low key guy. He is a I would I would go so far as to say I think he is an introvert. I think he is not exactly the gregarious, traditional hockey player jock type of person. And the point that these people made to me about Owen Tibbet is that if he goes to a team and gets in a locker room where he is not just like off in the corner by himself all the time, but he is part of the friendship group that he is part of just the people. Like he's the guy who gets called like, Hey, Owen, you want to go hang out with us? We're going to the bar. Even tonight. though he's not necessarily like everyone, right? He's still part of that it. He's still part of it. That if that ever happens to Owen tip at the NHL level, you are going to see him blossom as a player because he's just going to feel so much better about himself and feel like he belongs as a part of a team. And based on everything I've heard from the players, talking to them on the record, off the record, they think he's just a great guy. And they love him. They love Owen Tippett. And Owen Tippett, he straight up told me, I did the, the feature on him for our diehards, I believe it was last week. I think it was the end of last week is when it was out. That Owen Tippett basically said that I didn't realize it at the time, but it was such a blessing in disguise that I got traded from Florida. And not just because I'm playing well, but because I'm, with, I'm on a team now where I fit in. And I think that's just so important. And that was why I never bought the idea that Owen Tippett was racing out of here too, because he's found a team that he feels good being a part of, not just in terms of the fact that he's scoring goals, but in terms of the fact that he feels like he's been accepted by this group, that he's buddies with Travis Konechny, that he's, he can he can pick the brain of Sean Couturier and Sean Couturier isn't just going to scoff at him. He's going to you know legitimately like you know sit down with him for 20 minutes and talk to him about why he did that thing on the ice. I think Tippett really does feel like he belongs here. And the fact that he was willing to sign an eight-year contract only proves it. Um, you just said like a bunch of serious stuff. How important is it, do you think, that he's surrounded by redheads? I think it's extremely important. <laughs> and there's there's like, fewer redheads than there used to be. But there are fewer. There are still a fair there's amount. There's still a decent number. We got to have that quota of yeah. redheads. Yeah, that's the, they're not the flyers if there aren't a few reds. It's, it's just on. it's a it's a mandate from the days of Bobby Clark till now that there have to be some. And the thing is, Owen Tippett isn't just a redhead; like he is a straight he up is, ginger. No, he is a cartoon <laughs> character, orange headed person. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it's really like from the number one beat reporter to the greatest captain of all time to the team now. I, he's surrounded, you mm -hmm. know. And I think that's that's important. They're for the him. orange team. You got to have guys it's, with orange hair. They are. The orange team, <laughs> and I guess that's why it's so important for you that they never wear the black jerseys uh, because they're the <laughs> orange team. Uh, let me take a second to tell you you know, they're our presenting sponsor each and every single day, but sometimes we just got to take a step back and talk about mortgage CS. <laughs> yeah, it's important to be surrounded by people you're comfortable by for Owen Tippett. So, too, is it when you're uh, when you're buying a home. 
I think that works, right? That's like a yeah, decent that, segue. I think so. Uh, and Solid. that's where that's Seven where out of ten. That's where CEO Ben Stucker and his team come in uh, because they are all about the absolute uh, just best customer service. The, the the white glove concierge service that they provide for their customers is second to none. Uh, that's what they're aiming for. That's why he gives you his cell phone number right there on the screen, 267-391-7425, because their goal is not just to like get you as a client, bring you in, and okay, well, now we got you. Let's see, what, let's see how it goes. No, they want to provide you with an excellent experience. They want to educate and empower their clients and ultimately find them ultra-competitive rates for their mortgage all while providing you that exceptional customer service. That's why they're available 24-7. Uh, owners Alec and Ben, you can contact them anytime. When you hear the word mortgage, think of Mortgage CS. Think of Ben and Alec. Save ben, Ben's phone number. Again, 267-391-7425. Or email Ben. Ben at MortgageCS.com. Call or text Ben anytime, day or night. If wherever you are in the home buying process, you want to know, okay, maybe a year from now, I'm really looking to get into the market. What do I have to do to make myself uh, just a, a better applicant? He will be able to, if you're in the middle of it and you're like, you know, I just not really vibing with uh, with my current lender. It's all right. Well, maybe, maybe get a second opinion yeah. on things. Call or text. Or if you're like, hey, this Owen Tippett extension, what do you think? Yeah, he'll answer questions. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? <laughs> he'll, he'll answer questions about Philly sports day or night. So hit up Ben and make sure to check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to get started. This advertisement is not a commitment to lender extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All lanes are subject to, all loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. Visit MortgageCS.com for more information. Uh, I wanted to get into some of the uh, contract comparables. I linked it on uh, on Cap Friendly here. Just some, uh, some of re the recent signings that kind of compare pretty well. Yeah, I actually, yeah, if you want to run through this, I actually, this is going to be in my all phly.com Oh, okay, piece, cool. And there were two contract comparables in particular. I don't even think they're on here. Um, but there were two to me that jumped out the most, and I don't think they're any of these top ones. But the ones that I found in terms, if you're talking about age, and if you're talking about percentage of cap and length, the two for me that struck me as the most obvious comps were, and they're interesting, we have Anthony Sorelli with Tampa mm. and Valerie Nishushkin with Colorado. Both got eight years. Both got right around that $49 million range. And if you really, and this is something you'll have to go into my story to read, my allphly.com breakdown of the contract extension, which will be up, I would say, sometime tonight. I have to cover the alumni game. Um, but there really isn't going to be a lot of analysis that's going to be involved in being there for the alumni game. So I suspect I will be writing during a lot of that game and not, you know, focusing on zone entries for Mike Richards and, uh, and Chris Terrian. Um, don't think that'll be a, a primary focus of mine, but I will be writing that story. And in that story, I will go into the statistical details. Let me say this though, comparatively speaking, looking at the, at those three guys, the point per game and goal per game numbers, pretty similar. So I would not be at all shocked if those two in particular, those two contracts were used as comparables in the conversation because the contracts just look so similar. There's uh, the, the 
closest match, according to Cap Friendly, is uh, Brandon Hagel in Tampa. Uh, arbitration eligible RFA, uh, 25 years old. Cap percentage, 7.78. The tippet contract, 7.43. He got a little bit more at 6.5. It's an eight-year deal. I think that's a pretty good comparable. Uh, Troy Terry right there. It's like an 82% match. Uh, again, RFA, arbitration eligible. Uh, what did he get? 8.38. So he got considerably more. He got 7 mil. So that's on the high end of yeah. what you're looking for. And Troy Terry, he's, you know, the one of the main pieces of the rebuild there. He's one of their franchise yeah. guys, no, so that makes very sense. But yeah, going going through here, like... Anderson, the, Schmaltz, yeah. Mangiapane, Cole Caulfield is an interesting one. The Sorelli deal, eight years, 50 million given, yeah. given to Sorelli uh, when he was 25, uh, same age as one Owen Tippett is. And then Nishushkin eight years, $49 million given to Nishushkin when he was 27, so a little bit older. But again... Very similar contracts, similar point production in the three years leading up to the contracts being signed. Owen Tippett actually has been a little bit better of a goal scorer and point producer than both of those guys. That said, those two guys are better two-way players. More, yeah. Well, Sorelli's a center, number one. He's a shutdown guy. Nishushkin is a advanced stat god. Whereas thing, like yeah. Tippett is a good player by the advanced metrics, mostly because he's a really good offense driver. Like he drives shot and and chance. Like that's what he does. He just creates. Them. He creates chances he on the rush. Yeah, that's that's, his that's thing. what he does. He's not a particularly good defensive player, but he comes out above average in terms of helping the team outshoot out shoot and outchance the opposition because he's so good offensively. Somebody like the Shushkin brings a little bit more two way dominance. So. Basically, you're looking at similar contracts, but the Flyers are getting a slightly better scorer than those guys, a slightly less dominant two-way player. But comparatively speaking, I think those are, are your two best comps, and I think the Flyers, like, Tippett compares favorably with those guys. I do not think, even looking at comparables, this is an overpay. Because there's when, when you're talking about contracts, there's two ways a contract can be an overpay. And... I don't, they get lumped into one, but I don't think they should be. The one way it can be an overpay is if you overpay a guy. Like, contracts are, are created based on comparables. And if Owen Tibbetts' closest comparables all signed, on average, six-year contracts with a $5 million a year cap hit, and the Flyers gave him this deal, that would be an overpay based on comparables. That would essentially mean, in my mind, that Danny Briere lost the negotiation because Owen Tippett's camp was able to essentially beat the market in terms of the contract they got. That did not happen here. The Flyers signed Owen Tippett to what I would say is a market value contract based on his statistical comparables. That's the one way you can overpay a guy. The other way is purely based on how good is he going to be? How much value does he actually provide to the team over the course of the contract? Now, that remains to be seen. Obviously, it's an eight-year deal. We'll see how it plays out. I don't think it's likely that this deal, at the very least over the next four or five years, is going to be an overpay for the Flyers. To me, this is a deal where worst-case scenario is it's basically just what he is that he it's paying him like a good second line player and he is a good second line player for the rest of his 20s through the rest of this decade that to me is the most likely i guess scenario where they're not getting that much surplus value out of the deal but they're not overpaying him either however there's a 
bunch of scenarios where this is a significant underpay. Number one, if he breaks out, obviously that would mean that this is a dramatic underpay because he's playing like an eight, $9 million a year player who's scoring 40 goals a year and you're paying him 6.2. That's incredible for any team. The other thing, we haven't talked too much about this, but this is a big part, I think, of why the Flyers were perfectly fine signing him to an eight-year deal. Salary cap's going up. It's going way up. It's going to be up to almost, the, the projection is almost $88 million next season. And there was an expectation that it might be up to as much as like $94 million the following year. We're looking at a scenario where, let's say the cap does actually go up to about $93, $94 million by the 2025-2026 season, which would be year two of the Owen Tippett deal. Functionally, that would mean that Tippett's contract in year two, if you're looking at the respective cap environments, is functionally about a $5.5 million cap hit this year. So it is, if Owen Tippett is still good in two years, in year two of that deal, he's functionally getting paid $5.5 million in 2023-2024 money, given the fact that the cap is going up significantly. And there's really no reason to think that we're going to have another period of stagnation. I do think that a lot of people have gotten it in their heads, like, and it's not intentional. It's just that when you've lived through three straight seasons of the cap not going up, like certain cap hits look daunting at first glance because you're like, oh man, $6 million, that's a big cap hit. It's because we're so, we're all stuck in a stagnant cap mentality. In three years, $6.2 million ain't going to look that big at all. And if Owen Tippett just stays who he is now, it's going to look good. If Owen Tippett takes a step in two, in two or three years, it's going to look incredible. And there's also, just in terms of things that might drive the cap up, uh, currently the players get zero of uh, expansion dollars. There is a new CBA coming in after, I think this one expires, 25-26. I don't know off the top of my head. I think it's after the 25-26 season. Uh, there's rumors, obviously, of expansion. Maybe we'll get to that later. Maybe we won't. But uh, price of the brick going up, as Marlowe would say. Uh, it's going to be like a billion bucks for the next two teams to get into this league. Uh, something tells me this new NHLPA, which actually seems to like want to represent the players, yeah. they're going to be like, can we get some of this? Yes. Can we get some of this fucking money? <laughs> <laughs> because it's a billion dollars that you 32 owners are going to pocket that uh, we don't get any. That would drive up the cap at least some. You if they think. get a, a percentage, you would think maybe they get some of it. Uh, but we'll see how that. But it's just another thing that's like, oh, yeah, well, in the new CBA, what's going to happen? The cap can't possibly go down. No. Like, I, it can't possibly. Yeah, unless there is another once-in-a-generation terrible event that puts the world at a standstill. And please, God, no. I can't do that again. The I do not think the cap is going to stagnate for a while. There could be an event that might like make people think that's going to happen. You know, it's never going to happen. World coming to a standstill. Yeah, that's probably true. That shit is never yeah, ever going to happen yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think this is it is a this contract on the whole good with the potential to be great depending on what we see out of Owen Tippett yes. over the next couple of years. It's very difficult for me to envision a scenario where Owen Tippett in his mid-20s, falls off a cliff. It would have to, like... 
and granted, this is the Flyers, so like a trip to Ellis Island is always possible. True, but like, unless he just disappears, I can't see a world in which this is bad. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that would be surprising. I would have liked me. it to be a little bit less on the cap hit. Sure, but I don't always. think. That, but like, that's a negotiation. You know, if if the Flyers came out of this sub six million, it would be a, a coup for Danny Breer. Instead, this is just in my mind an intelligent risk for Danny Briere to take given what we've seen out of Owen Tippett and what Owen Tippett could theoretically become over the back half of his twenties. It's funny to me that like, obviously down the line when, you know, if Mitchkov gets here and he's the superstar, we all need him to be like, he's getting, you know, the 10 plus oh, he's yeah. getting the superstar contract of course, of course he is. for the time being. It's very interesting to me that he's the third highest paid player. Tip it? Yeah. Now is, yeah. Uh, on the team in terms of AAV. Yeah. Does that include Ellis? Not include. He's, <laughs> well, Sanheim and Ellis make the same. Okay. So they're tied for two. But okay. it's it's Coots at 775, Sanheim 625, and then tip it right there at 62. It's, I I guess it's just like, wow. It, it once again exemplifies how good of a trade that was to yeah. bring in Owen Tippett and almost immediately becomes one of your centerpieces. Now, is he going to be one of the best players on the team when they're great again? I hope not. Like, I hope well, there's a whole bunch of well, guys who are better I hope, than him. In all honesty, I mean, I hope so. Well, at this because price, that means yeah, that, 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 means that be he becomes a 50 goal scorer. Yeah. And suddenly, like, yeah, if this version of Owen Tippett is one of the best players on the Flyers in three, four years, they failed miserably. If. And much improved version of Owen Tippett, who is yearly scoring 40, 45 yeah, goals a year, cool. is one of the best players in the Flyers. That's great. That just means Owen Tippett took that massive leap that we're all hoping he takes. And then at that price, what a deal. And it all, like everything to me comes back to Mitchkov. And it's like, you also have, while the cap is going to go up, you also have that, you know, for three years, hopefully the best player on your team is on an ELC. Like that is the that is the golden O, and then we can spend some money. And I do think, too, and this is something I, I am planning to discuss in my article, one of the one of the low-key benefits of signing some of these guys the Flyers have right now to long-term deals is that a lot of guys' point production on this team is being dramatically deflated by the fact that the power play sucks. And yes. Let's say you signed Owen Tippett to a four-year deal. You know, lower AV, you think, you know, we're not quite sure what you are yet. We're going to sign you to another sort of bridge deal, and then we're going to reassess in a few years and see if we want to give you a big, big deal because we don't know who you are yet. Let's say Mitchkov comes over, supercharges the power play, and then suddenly the Flyers have a top 10 power play because they have a superstar running the show, and then everyone has an extra 10 to 15 points on their numbers every year because the power play works. Then Owen Tippett, like right now, Owen Tippett, I think will probably finish this year somewhere in like the 30 to 35 goal range, maybe somewhere in the like 50 to 65 point range, depending upon if you get some good luck with secondary assist and whatnot. You toss another 10 cheapy power play points on top of that. Suddenly he's got a million. Yeah. Suddenly he's not asking for 6.2. He's asking for 8.2. Yeah. Then, like, I don't even think, like, the four-year deal and then Mitchkov supercharging everything, that's almost, like, that's a down-the-line scenario. I'm also thinking of, like, say he signs a bridge just to maybe get to a UFA, whatever it would be, a year or two. Let's say, like, 
Morgan Frost continues to develop, let's say Jamie Drysdale continues to develop, that makes the power play considerably better too. <laughs> like those things would elevate the points totals that are down for everyone right now. So like those things are also like I don't maybe not as strong a factor to consider, but it is like everyone's points totals are as low as they're possibly going to be because they have a 10% power. Yes. Play. Yes. I just think that we, we don't want to underrate the impact yeah. here of the lack of a power play. Like somebody like Joel Farabee, Joel Farabee has been one of the best, if not the best even strength scorer in the NHL. And he's not going <laughs> to sniff point per game because the power play sucks. No, his, his even strength points are like the same as the MVP candidates. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, we watched those games against those guys. You know what happens on the power play? They score. <laughs> <laughs> like, their power plays are completely unstoppable. And this is like against the Flyers penalty kill, which is excellent. Yeah, it was really good. What happens when they play shit teams that ain't trying every night? Yeah. They have more five point nights. Yeah. Like, and that's, it, it's just, yeah. So that's, it's all stuff that you have to, uh, that you have to take into account count here when uh you're you're planning ahead with how you're gonna spend your money we also have an app that helps us with that do we build for for individuals it's rocket money I, is it actually rocket money today yeah that actually works <laughs> i wasn't a hundred percent sure if i was doing rocket money but i was pretty sure i double checked and we are uh, rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills i can see all of my subscriptions in one place and if i see something i don't want i can cancel it with just a tap i never have to get on the phone with customer service dream come true for me uh and Rocket Money will even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and helps save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. $720 a year on average, $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Oh, it's a few bucks here, a few bucks there. Clearly, it adds up. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Uh, do we have anything else on... Uh, on Tippet, I feel like we've basically covered it. I think we've covered it. I will have a lot more in my article. Um, I haven't even decided if it's going to be a diehard only or if it's going to be for everybody. I'll have to talk to, uh, to my boss and see what we want to do with that story. But I'll be working on it today and tonight, and it will be up, I would assume, before you go to sleep tonight, unless you plan to get a very, very early, early night's sleep on a Friday night after a long week of work. But it will be coming. <laughs> Don't worry. And then I will also have a diehard mailbag article, which I have been, I have spent this entire month trying to, trying to do this mailbag because every time I'm about to do it, they do something else. Charlie. It's wild. I, I, my general goal here is to do the mailbag at the start of the month. I didn't do it that first week. It's January 26th. It's, and like, I'm just getting to it because the flyers keep being involved in ridiculous in things. things. You know, it's, it's insane. It's truly. So that, that, that diehard mailbag, I got the first part of the mailbag finally out today. The diehard mailbag might not come out until like Sunday or Monday now because everything is happening. Charlie's mailbags have become very on brand with the show and how mailbag Monday usually ends around Thursday. I just, <laughs> I, I'm just saying like, like flyers, 
you have an entire week <laughs> next week where you have no games. Like, could you not have held this until Monday? It would have been great. It would have been great. It's it's the never-ending news cycle, Charlie. Yep. yep. All right. And luckily, we have a daily show. You know, <laughs> at least, you know, just one more thing for you to do, Chuck. Yep. Uh, now let's get to these. Uh, let's get to these stadium series jerseys. Uh, for a while there, I wasn't even. I was just like, yeah, they missed Christmas. The game's like a m less than a month away now. There ain't going to be jerseys. And then last week, we actually heard like, oh no, we're 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 getting them. Well, they were finally released today. Uh, we have the pictures of them here. We have some really interesting PR pictures for the outdoor game. It's uh, it's the Saturday, this February seventeenth, like the weekend after the Super Bowl, I believe, is uh, when the Stadium Series is yep. up in MetLife. Yep. I gotta say, I typically don't love primary white jerseys. Uh, they're the road team, so obviously they're gonna be at the mercy of whatever color that the home team goes with. I think they're pretty damn good. I like how like, the back I really love with the shoulder stripe going into the nameplate on the back. I think that's an interesting design. Um, I kind of think they nailed these in terms of it's never going to be you tweeted like it's never going to be anything everyone agrees on. I dig it. I don't mind them. I I, let me put it this way. There were there have been ones they've had in the past, recent past, that I thought were trash. These, I think, are fine. You hate all the black jerseys. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the <laughs> I don't mind the, the black ones they wear now as alternates. Those were... What were those for? Um, the Stadium Series in Pittsburgh? Yeah. That's, Is that yeah. what they were? Yeah. They're... Uh, eh. The orange ones they wore at home. I thought with the the pumpkin looking ones the, with the orange uh, the orange logo, I thought those were pretty interesting just because they were so different. Did you like them? Because I didn't like that. Uh, I, like, I thought they were drab. I I like when they try stuff. Fair. Like Fair. I, it's the Flyers jersey. Listen, I know. Uh, like I love the the Quakers ones that never were actually real. It's wild uh, to me how many people still still love them. I, you still always wear see, them, you always even though see, they were fake. You always see one or two. <laughs> Uh, like at, if you go to a game, you always see one or two. Yeah, you do. Um, still, I, I think those are cool, but it's never not going to be the logo. They're always going to have yeah. the flying P. Yeah. That's the way it is. Especially now. Like maybe they would have, maybe the previous yeah. owner, not yeah, maybe, group, but maybe the previous Dave leadership group would have been yeah. like, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go. Now that we're back to like straight up pandering to everyone over the age of 40, there's no way they're ever ditching the logo. No, it's always going to be the flying p yeah. so like maybe that's something some people love i am i love a big crest like that's what i want a jersey to be there's a lot of flyers jerseys though i don't think one with words or something would kill you uh but it's always going to be that so that's kind of constraint i i think these are all right yeah, I, I agree that I the uh, good. I agree that the the black stripe going into the nameplate. I think it's neat. I think it's unique. It, it's a neat little little you know tweak on the classic flyer style. I don't know if I love it, but I I think it's interesting, and I, I'm down for that. I tend to like the 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 white dominant jerseys. Um, not all of them. Some of them stink. The reverse retro a couple years ago. Yeah, they was were not they good. were real bad. Was, they were there real was bad. no orange. I just think they look clean. 
Um, and I do think that the uh, the black stripe is cool. There's enough orange, because we'll get to this in a minute. There's enough orange that I don't think they are hiding the orange, which is my big issue with another jersey from the past. But I, I, I think the jerseys are fine. One thing I do find funny is that how many people, because we'll, we'll show the, the picture again, how many people were convinced that this is Nick Sealer. No, it's not Nick Sealer. It's just the year 24. It's the year 2024. That's why it's 24. They did not get Nick Sealer to do this. I like the orange numbers on the shoulders. I don't always love shoulder numbers. Uh, I think those are good, though. They're not, like, hidden the way the black ones they wear now are, where it's like, oh, just plopped. I like the no outline, just straight orange number. Well, the one thing that people have to remember about this, and I feel like a lot of people don't, realize this when they're looking at the jerseys purely from a i'm judging the aesthetics of it when you're playing in a stadium like an outdoor a huge outdoor the announcers are a mile away you need the numbers to be big (laughs) they have to be big so that's why the numbers on the on the shoulder pads and even on the back like that's why it's so large because it's hard and i'm not even talking about the announcers i'm talking about the people in the arena yeah you want to be able to see who you're watching and it's real hard to do that unless they are distinguishing features like that was my biggest issue with those black jerseys i am someone who does tracking projects a lot i will go (laughs) back and rewatch games it it is still nearly impossible to tell the difference between certain numbers on those black jerseys because they just don't pop well on television. These, we'll see how they look on TV, but I'm optimistic these will pop well. Um, I The more I look at them, the more I like them. I will say, and this is just for all, uh, all of their uniforms, uh, watching with the alumni game coming up, watching a bunch of old highlights of guys, I miss the striped socks. I don't like the just one two-tone or just like one color. Like the socks they used to wear in the 90s, I miss. Okay. With like a black stripe, the primary color, then another stripe. But like I, I just miss those. I don't know if these lend themselves to it because the stripes kind of match the stripes on the jersey. But I think you could do something. Uh, but that's just not the style anymore. What is? What do you think is the best Flyers jersey release? You mean the best jersey period? Yeah, just like and when they've changed things up over the last fifteen years. Okay. Oh, so we're, so we're because I mean I didn't know if you were asking me what my favorite flyer jersey ever is. What my, is your favorite? My favorite flyer jersey, jersey ever. ever is the nineties uh, white. Nineties white. I think they are the most clean. I love the color orange they had back then. Obviously, they've gone back to the burnt orange, but I just think that one to me is the ideal flyers jersey. I was watching. Uh, I saw. Uh, it was someone on Twitter posted Bobby Clark's interview after the Red Army game. And it was the White Flyers jersey. And it was just a little bit di- like the uh, his C was outlined in orange and it was white. And I thought that was really good. Just like something a little different, like stuff like that. I, I The white is typically the cleanest. Yes. I have always been um, partial to the orange, though, because the fly and this is something we agree on. We are the Flyers. We are obnoxious assholes. Yes, yes. And there is no color more obnoxious than orange. Exactly. 
It's who we are. Yeah. I the do. organization is obnoxious. The yes. players are obnoxious. Everything the fans obnoxious. are obnoxious. Yes. Everyone related to the Flyers is obnoxious. And I don't mean that as an insult. No. I mean it as a compliment. No, it's absolutely. <laughs> there's a reason I believe myself to be one of the voices of the Flyers because I'm <laughs> fucking obnoxious. And I think it all goes well together. Uh, that's why my favorite Flyers jersey is when they first went to the neons that they just got away from when okay. they that first year that they put out the alternate oranges and then in the playoffs NBC was like yo we need you to wear these <laughs> everyone loves them they pop and yeah. then it's like they're wearing those jerseys like yeah instead of the like they're wearing those instead of their like actual black jerseys which were then they were like all right we're done with these the Reebok edge black jerseys yeah um uh, I think my, that's probably my favorite one. That's and your the, favorite. Like, okay. The whites that go against that that they wore for the um, for the Winter Classic in Boston. Th- that were, was that to me. If we're those talking are about, great. if we're talking about my favorites of the past fifteen years, those are really those good. are by far my favorites. I I will never stop marveling at the like brilliance of the Keystone for the captain like having the keystone with the c in the keystone on the uh, on the chest i thought that was just one of those like man who came up with that because give that person an enormous raise that's, that was brilliant the orange tie-ups from the tie, 2012 the, the, the were tie, sick that, that, that's what i'm talking about oh okay oh wait what are you talking uh, the about the white from 2010 oh no no i'm definitely talking about the orange tie-ups the orange, the orange tie-ups, tie-ups are my favorite the orange tie-ups from 2012 yeah like i got a wayne simmons one of those because of the keystone like i was like i want something with a letter yeah so i was like yeah i'm getting simmons yeah. done yeah yeah those are Damn, those are up there too. Yeah, those are by far my favorites of the last fifteen years. I think okay. they were great. I and I get why they weren't the every time ones. The the tie up is much more of a specialty thing. They did feel like specialty <laughs> jerseys, took his out. but they just they they to me they are the perfect specialty jersey. Those are, yeah. In terms of all the like, because the twenty ten one you're talking about became their road. It jersey. became their road yeah. jersey. Yeah. It's they were like in between jerseys, and it was like, well, you're already wearing this orange one now. Let's just make an alternate to that, basically. <laughs> and they and it, it worked. It was really clean. No, the the 2012 ones are probably of all the like oh, limited special. This, I, I hate this team, man. Now they're, now they're now? signing Ryan Paling to a two year deal. Oh, like could you just could you not have held this <laughs> to the week you're not playing hockey? Why? Why do you have to do it today? Why can't you just give Charlie a couple days off? I'm not writing on Ryan Palin. I'm not. It's not happening. I'm writing on Owen Tippett. You're not getting an article on a just, what's like probably going to be like a two million dollar extension. And good for uh, good for Ryan Palin. Yeah, I'm happy for him. He's been he's a solid. Player. He's been solid this You're year. You're not getting an article on. I it. no. I mean, this is <laughs> maybe just put in a little note at the end. Like, and Ryan Paling signed too. Do we have details on that or? No, it's Dave Pignata tweeted out that hearing he has Ryan Paling has a two-year contract extension with the Flyers. All right, uh, good for Ryan Paling. That's not anything he was set to become. I have it. He was somewhere. an RFA. He was an RFA. He was RFA after this, this season yeah, the, the, because he signed the one-year prove-it yeah. deal. Yeah. So cool. Uh, two more years of Ryan Paling. Maybe he develops into something. Maybe he just is what he is. But guy can skate. He's part of the penalty kill. I like him. Yeah. 
I mean, we haven't seen the if terms. If they didn't give him any money, yeah, cool. we haven't seen the terms yet, but I would assume he's not going to break the bank. I think he's shown enough this year that he... My only issue with Ryan Paling is that I do think there's a little bit of like square peg round hole in terms of John Tortorella using him in the top nine. I do not think he is a top nine forward. I don't think he's that caliber of player. However, I think he's a really good fourth liner and a really good penalty killer. And as long as you're using him in that role, I really like Ryan Paling. That's is one of those... Like we used to get mad at uh, at Hextall and Fletcher, like oh the coach keeps doing this thing that everyone can see is dumb. Take his toys away. I would say maybe that's a possibility here with Paling, but once they have guys to play, like once they have nine top nine forwards, I don't see this being a problem. I that's think it's, my hope. This is more of a like, well, let's see if he can do it because I like him anyway kind of situation. And once you have nine dudes who are cemented as top nines, that won't be a problem. That said, does the cap management, and I guess like with them overachieving this year, maybe it moves things up in people's minds. Cap management for the next two years doesn't really matter. Like, you don't want to get long-term trouble. True. But a two-year deal for this guy, like, if it's a little more than we were thinking it would be, that doesn't matter. No, there's a reason why I was advocating last summer, because the the three big restricted free agents they had last summer were Morgan Frost, Cam York, and Noah Case. And I was advocating for the Flyers to try, and they very well may have, because— the same reason why I was advocating for this is the same reason why I suspect the players' agents were like, no, sign a bridge deal, please, was that these next couple years don't matter that much. If you overpay, like if they were to, if they would have signed Cam York to a seven-year contract that in the short term you're overpaying relative to what they ultimately got Cam York on, which is a very, very cheap deal, if you're giving him $3 million a year more than you would have if you had done a bridge deal, it almost doesn't matter. What matters is getting the savings three, four years down the road when this team is, is supposed to be turning the corner, which is why, again, this is kind of why I like the Tippett deal so much, because I do think they're doing that in a way, slightly different situations, because this is in Tippett's first contract coming off of his AEZ LC. This is his third, or his, yeah, it's his third contract, second coming off of the ELC. But point being is that for somebody like Paling, it almost just doesn't matter because, yeah, they're they're under the cap now. I like the idea of paying a little bit more now to get savings later. I just don't think Tippett's ever, or not Tippett, I don't think Paling's ever going to be the kind of guy who's going to break the bank, period, because I just don't think he has no, the offensive I mean, yeah. skill that he's going to do that. No, like, <laughs> if we get into a situation where overpaying Paling matters or not, they're in a, a world of other trouble. Yes. Like, that means they've mismanaged a bunch of other shit along the way. Um, okay, I guess I, I guess we need to talk about this, given that it was a thing. I guess we need to talk about why I hate the black jersey so much. Yeah, let's let's do that. <laughs> um, so, I it's not my favorite jersey, but when the black jerseys came out, I guess that was like 97, 98 probably. It was right around the time I started watching hockey. It was... I think the year after they go to the final is when they get Chris Gratton, and that was the first year of the black jerseys because I got a Chris Gratton black jersey. He, of course, then changed his number to 77 from 55, <laughs> and like two weeks later was traded back to Tampa. Right. That's neither here nor there. I like those jerseys. They're not my favorite, but uh, that's the era I grew up in. I love that whole contingent of jerseys. My first one was those 90s orange uh, then I had a black. I love them. I'm 
choosing right now between a black Delmore and a black Boucher, both available on eBay in my size for very little money. Uh, Amazing. I can't decide which one I'm going with, but I, I mean, like Boosh them. is still very much connected with the organization. That might be the play. It would. It would be. I also hate goalies other than him. Okay, fair. Like he's one of the only goalies I've ever liked. Um, let's go on to you now. You don't like them at all. No, I. And I will say I overstated it for effect a bit on Twitter. I Which do I not, love to hear. I, I do not think that they are like utter trash, awful, awful jerseys. If you weren't a fan of the team growing up and it was just a jersey that was out there for some other team, you would like it. No, I would not like oh. it, but I would not hate it. I don't like the main reason why I actively dislike the black jerseys is because so many people think they are like God's gift to Jersey. I just think they are boring. I think they are boring. And I think the era that they came about, you had in my mind, two of the absolute best flyers jerseys ever in the, uh, the pumpkin orange and the white one, which I believe is the best flyer jersey ever. And whenever I would flip on the television, they'd be wearing the black jerseys. It would be like, <laughs> well, like you have two of the best jerseys ever and you're wearing this piece of shit where you, I'm, I feel like I'm watching. I feel like I'm watching the flyers on a black and white television because <laughs> this was pre HD. My big issue with it in from a, from a philosophical standpoint is, as we talked about, orange is the flyers color. It plays with the entire identity of the flyers. The flyers are in your face, obnoxious, annoying, Orange is an in-your-face, obnoxious, annoying color. The black jerseys, it's barely orange. There's just the trim, and that's it. It's mostly black. If they found a way to have more orange in it, I probably wouldn't have hated it as much. But the fact that orange was pushed so much in the backseat annoys me on a, on a deep personal level because I think it is a betrayal of what a Flyers jersey should be. Also, and this is an underrated aspect of why I don't like them, during that time period of the late 90s, early 2000s, every single but team in every sport was making a black jersey because uh. they sold well, because people wanted black things. And I hate that it was just that nakedly commercial. It wasn't about aesthetics. It was, well, black jerseys sell, so we got to have a black jersey. I will say partially, you're probably right about that. However, in that time period, we also have everyone going extremely loud uh the eagles like the, the green the like midnight green they wear now is not the almost teal they switched to in that time period you had the carolina panthers come in uh you had like the charlotte hornets you just had a whole bunch of expansion teams that were going with like 90s almost neon very loud colors and the flyers who were already that they wore fucking bright orange went the other way and it was like understated and cool sleek black fast like i can see it being like almost and going the other way from everyone else at the time too i just think they're cool but, but it, cool is an alternate like when they went to black as the primary yeah like that. coming out of the uh couldn't stand it coming out of the the lockout yeah like that's dumb yeah. The Flyers wear orange. Yeah. And that's why I loved, like, in whatever it was, like, 07, 08, when they went, when they released those alternate oranges, I was like, finally! <laughs> yes! Yeah. It's back. I like it as an alternate. I would not want them to wear primary black. But, but I made the point on Twitter later that it's not that I think, because somebody, I think it was Kurt, tweeted at me and said, rank the, these three jerseys, the black jersey, the 3D jersey, oh. and then the 50th anniversary with the gold trim. 
And I said, there's a big difference between the three. Those two other jerseys are, make my eyes bleed. They're bad. They're actively they're not good looking. They're actively awful. Yeah. The black jersey is not actively awful. I do not think if I if I was not if I did not grow up a Flyers fan if I did not grow up in the city of Philadelphia and I was living in Nevada and I saw <laughs> that jersey come out, I would not say to myself that is awful. I would say to myself whatever. Which is the same way I view that jersey now, other than the fact that there's like a very vocal contingent of 30-somethings that think it is the end-all, be-all Flyers jersey, and I find that bonkers. Because I just think it's a boring jersey. Like, everyone wants the black Sixers jersey back. That's not something I care about. Like, I love, I honestly, like the Dr. J blue with mm. red lettering, like, I think that's the coolest one. I think the black Flyers jerseys from that era are cool. Like that's, I think they're cool looking. That's what it comes down to for me. Uh, that's okay. again, it's not my favorite, but I would like to see that replicated in some way. That's it. I want it with the trim. I don't like yeah. it. Like if they were to do it and do it in the style they're doing their current jerseys, I'd be like, no, this is dumb. It's yeah. just the same. You gotta have the trim. This is bland bullshit. Yeah. No, I want lines. <laughs> I think. If I had to guess, and this is coming from no inside information, but just given the fact that this new leadership group is so focused on you know playing to the fans it would not shock me even a little bit if at some point in the next five years yeah. they pull out these black jerseys because i don't like them but a lot a lot of people do and the people that do think they are incredible yeah like there is it's it's kind of i don't think they are as universally beloved but there's some similarities to kelly green where like the people that love Kelly Green fucking love Kelly Green. And I think it's the same thing with these black jerseys. It, it, I mean, it all gets to like, except for Charlie, <laughs> in general, it's about what you grew up with. Yeah, true. You know? Like, well, I love most of the jerseys I grew up with. I, I just was, don't love that one. I was always an advocate of Kelly Green, and then the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And I was like, you know what? Nah, they won in midnight green. Yeah. That's the color of winners. Yeah. Kelly green is the color of losers. That's gone. It's over. <laughs> and then they broke out the Kelly greens again. I was like, oh, it is so pretty though. Like, it's just a great looking jersey. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no, I have one and a bunch of the other stuff to go with it. Uh, but I kind of like these jerseys. I'm like, it's a good day to release the jersey too because the guy just signed an eight-year contract. You're always worried, like my Chris Gratton st no, story. No, because they had to announce every single thing in yeah. one day. You're always worried with Obviously. like my Chris Gratton story, like, oh, I'm going to spend this money on a jersey and then he ain't going to be here. Well, nice option for you. Owen Tippett, eight-year deal. Just saying. All right. Um, I don't really care to talk about expansion in Utah. There is a. We've got other shows. There's to a do very that. interesting Bill, Alexander Bill, Bill, Dave have, doc coming out. We have an entire week next I week know, we of shows of with shit. no games. We'll be able to talk about it then. Uh, Alexander Daig, there's a. I just think this is cool. Chosen one, Alexander Daig, an Amazon original hockey doc uh, produced in collaboration with the NHL, oh, launched cool. on Prime Video in Canada on Friday. Will be available on ESPN Plus in the U.S. on Saturday. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Just like. I've long had this idea about an interview series in my head where you talk to dudes who are supposed to be the guy and for one reason or another never lived up to that. Uh, and this is, I mean, it's Dake. It was supposed to be him and Lindros were the 90s. And for one reason or another... What was the, the Pronger draft, right? Dake was yeah. the, the where, where 
Dag basically was just like nobody cares about who was taken after. Yeah. And then it turned out to be Chris Pronger. <laughs> yeah, one of the best defensemen of all time. So I just Amazing. think that's interesting. If he's a former flyer, you want to check that out. All right. Um, that's it. That's all the time we have for you today on PHLY Flyers. We'll be back tomorrow. A matinee game, post game. It is a uh, home game. So fly, uh, not flyer. Charlie will be at the Wells Fargo Center. He'll be joining us. Uh, I think it'll be JP in studio here with me. So tune in for that after the uh, 12.30, 1 o'clock start, whenever the hell it's going to be. Uh, we'll be there for post game. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Have a great Friday, Philly. We all like the mayor. 